Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Micah Hiro Chono. And I am Shiro Koshinaka. Welcome to episode 126, G1 Climax Final, 1994. G1! I mean, yeah, like this is a G1 that's a little different setup-wise than, the ones, than, the, than a modern G1, but it is still... The G1 it's climb. pretty close to what what it is. It's less climb. less people, and well, yeah. then like the, the the blocks and points are still very similar, but yeah. it's not as much of a. Uh, it happens in a much smaller amount of time as opposed to taking up the whole summer. Well, there's less people too. Yeah, so. of course, of course. But I mean, the last few years it had been a tournament style. Yeah. Instead of just a round robin. Yeah, round robin point situation. So this is actually the fourth annual G1 Climax produced by New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was held from August 3rd to August 7th, 1994, all at Ryogoku Gogukikon in Tokyo, Japan, with an attendance of at least 11,000 people each Shit. night. I mean, you know, wrestling, baby. That's right. Japan, Japan likes wrestling. 11,500. A night. In the same place. That's awesome. Pretty fucking cool, man. But we're in Japan. Yeah, we are. So that means that Shane's probably brought us a tasty treat. We did. Or I should say I did. We're back in Japan. And as I've mentioned before, getting Japanese food in Oklahoma City on a Sunday can sometimes be uh, difficult. And I made things a little extra difficult because I was traveling back from Nebraska this morning. So we went the easy route. Uh, but a one good, I have not taken yet. A good route. Right. As well, I have not had one of these in a while, and I'm very happy about it. Yeah, I swung by the uh, the liquor store and looked around to see what Japanese beer options they had because there's two. Yeah, always two. There's always two, and this one was difficult to find because the liquor store that I went to I wasn't familiar with, so didn't know what the hell they were gonna have, where anything was, and finally, after about ten minutes of walking around, I found the bottles of Asahi. Super dry. super dry, sitting on the shelf. Nice and tasty, nice and crisp. Japan's number one selling beer. I like a dry beer. This is um, similar to a, you know, your typical lager. It's like your your Budweiser or your Coors or according to the bottle, whatever. It's a, but a five point two. So it's a better than better than those. I do love a dry beer, and uh, you don't see them. Dry anymore. and crisp with a quick. Clean finish. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with all of that. The other Japanese beer, of course, being Sapporo. I'm sure there's plenty of other options in Japan, but those are the two in the US of A yes. that are readily available and uh, regularly seen. I have drank much more Sapporo in my life Same. than I have Asahi, but Sapporo, they have them in these big weird cans yeah. and go to the bar and be like, oh, this is the bar where I drink Sapporo. Yep. Because <laughs> it's cheap. 
and it's strong. Yeah, this one I liked because I didn't have to pick between different sizes. I just grabbed a six-pack of the bottles and chilled them as opposed to the Sapporo where you have to decide if you want a big can, a small can, or if you're at you know, a you're sushi restaurant, a if you want a pint or a tall. or Yeah. I would be curious to see if these are like the beers that you people drink in Japan. Because when I went to... You know, watch you go over there and they drink like PBR or something. <laughs> yeah, or they had like their <laughs> Japanese version of like a a PBR or something, but like I went to Spain once and they drink Estrella and it's like the beer that's everywhere. They had another one, I guess, something Ichiban, but I'd never heard of that one. And I know I, I already knew I liked Asahi. I didn't want to buy a beer that possibly was going to taste gross. So yeah. I went with the uh, old reliable, just like the, uh, the G1 clan likes here. Yeah, you know you're you know you're gonna see some motherfucking wrestling. Yeah, that's right. When the G one happens, you yeah. know it's there's not gonna be a, a disqualification very early in a G one match. Yeah, and with the sahi, you know it's gonna taste like a, a nice, cold, crisp, dry, delicious beer. So yes. hey, they go well together. I just wish I had one of these while I was watching these matches. So at least I have it while we're talking. So while we're indulging in these delicious beers. <sighs> A couple movies came out to theaters the same week. Hmm. Clear and Present Danger and Airheads. I ain't farting on no snare drum. (laughs) One of my favorite jokes and line readings in a 90s comedy. Also, every time I watch that movie, which I love and is near and dear to my heart, I always forget that that line happens like three minutes before the credits roll. (laughs) Maybe less. But I fucking love Airheads so goddamn much. Oh, yes. Fucking, watched. yeah. Like, Brendan Fraser's explanation for his band, The Lone Rangers, is Power Slop, which I think is the greatest fake genre of all time. And I was like, oh, well, they're just kind of a, like, you know, power rock. They're, like, not quite hair metal, but they're also not, like, thrash. It's like, oh, I guess Power Slop works, but uh, the the music I've been playing in the last year or so, I refer to as Power Slop as well. It doesn't quite sound like it, but I know it's sloppy and it is loud. Well, you know, back in the day, thong was, you know, something you put on your foot. Now it's something you, you know, put on your ass. So yeah. maybe Power Slop in 1994 meant one thing, and now yeah. 2021 is going to mean something totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, it. yeah, they're more on the Quiet Riot as opposed to the, like, as opposed to Poison. They're more Scorpions than they are Motley Crue. More Twisted Sister than Guns N' Roses. That's uh, the sound of the Lone Rangers. How can you pluralize that? (laughs) As Joe Montaigne would say. Yes, of course. I remember seeing Airheads the first time because... I knew that Adam Sandler was in it, and Adam Sandler was like one of my favorites. Adam Sandler's like young and hot in this movie. And <laughs> it looks really good. It's like not an Adam Sandler movie at all. No, thankfully, because it still holds up. <laughs> yeah, it holds up better than most this Adam Sandler movies. Brendan Fraser was trying to figure out what type of an actor he was going to be if he was going to be a serious one like yeah. School Ties, or yeah. if he was going to be Encino Man. So oh, he yeah, he yeah. went for the the stoner rocker comedy instead. Also, maybe, like, it may and, have been the first time I saw Steve Buscemi and yeah, Steve, absolutely <laughs> loving. Steve Buscemi is fucking great in this movie, and he he always like kind of dabbles in comedy, but like this is like a straight a straight comedy. Yeah, and he's so good as nobody's ever looked as much like a bass player as fucking Steve Buscemi, and that's coming from one bass player to another. 
I haven't watched Airheads in forever. I haven't watched Clear and Present Danger in forever. I have not seen Clear and Present Danger. It's the first Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan yep. film. The Tom Clancy novel. Oh, uh, I did not know that. Red October. Hunt for Red October was the first one that came out of the Tom Clancy. I didn't know that either of those were Tom Clancy. Alex Baldwin played Jack Ryan in that one. I didn't realize that Jack Ryan rolled that deep. Oh, yeah. I know Tom Clancy rolls deep, but I didn't know those were... Yeah, I didn't know those were Tom Clancy. There's been four people that have played Jack Ryan. Alec Baldwin, Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, Affleck. and now John Krasinski. That's right. Yeah, the office guy. I totally forgot Ben Affleck had his... Yeah, he played it in the... The one movie they tried to reboot the series, and yeah, but that was around the original Benefer time when everything came a crashing down. Yeah, Geely and yeah, Jersey Girl. I know I because I'm the loved... best of the Tom Clancy movies. Oh, Humper in October season. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've seen parts of that one on television, like it was just a cable stable, but I don't think I ever sat down. Uh, watch you need to watch Humper in October. So I'm trying to remember what we're. What came after Clear and Present Danger? It was, was that uh, Patriot Games? Yeah, Patriot yeah. Games. Which I think Patriot Games is probably the better film. But I do remember after seeing Clear and Present Danger that it made me want to read the Tom Clancy books. So I read both Hunt for October and Clear and Present Danger. I think I got like most of the way through Patriot Games. and But the movie was much better than the book. Which is not usual. Yeah. But at least in my opinion. Yeah. I mean... Uh, is Tom Clancy still alive? I know he's that written I don't know. one million books. I, basically, at this point, video they're just games. putting his name on Rainbow Six video games, and yeah. I, I don't know if he's written anything Let's lately. See. Died October 1st, 2013. Okay, he's been dead for almost a decade. That's probably why his name's more on video games now. <laughs> the family's still trying to make money. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that they were would have been fine, even if they weren't optioned. Even if they, even if like they didn't make successful films out of them, they still probably would have been doing pretty good. But yeah, both these films, excellent films. If you haven't seen them, you should definitely go and check them out. Yeah, yeah. I can't speak for Clear and Present Danger, but I trust you guys. Oh yeah, I speak very highly of Airheads, one of the more underrated '90s comedies. Definitely, I, I think mean, Harrison Ford in the '90s. Pretty couldn't gold. really go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Any like anything. Uh, he had a pretty solid run uh, post Star Wars, pre Air Force One. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let's head off to Japan and talk some wrestling. So, as we were kind of talking about earlier, this year the G One would return to a round robin format with two blocks of six participants. In those blocks would include Masahiro Chono. Riki Choshu, Tatsumi Fujinami, Yoshika Fujiwara, Hiroshi Hase, Shinya Hashimoto, Takayuki Izuka, Asama Kido, Shiro Koshinika, Keiji Muda, Power Warrior, and Yoshiki Yatsu. Yeah, the ones that are standing out is uh, Osamu Kido and Yoshiaki Yatsu. I'm like, those aren't too familiar with these other guys. I'm super familiar with. The other two, those two guys, were actually from other promotions. Oh, okay. I don't remember right offhand where they were from, but they did invite a couple a couple guys to come in to fill out the... Yeah, this combo of uh, you saying Hiroshi Hase and Shunya Hashimoto, those two names right next to each other, mm-hmm. is really my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really loving just uh, hearing those names back to back. 
But the downside to the G1 Climax and most Japanese wrestling is that the TV station basically owns all the rights to any of that footage and it's not really out there anywhere. Except for a couple of matches that we were able to find on New Japan World. World. Yeah, these are the two G1 94 matches on New Japan World. Which is truly a shame considering those 12 names that we just named off and only getting to see two different combinations of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because, my God, what I would... I mean, how often do we shit on a Hiroshi Hase match? <laughs> Hasn't happened Never, yet. Like, have we? Probably <laughs> not going to happen, really, with any of these names. But, I mean, Hase has been a fan favorite, I feel like, on this show. Definitely. My, my beefcake boy, old Kijimudo. Yes, Kijimudo as well, of course. Yeah. Uh, I just have a, a super soft spot for Hase and Hashimoto. Hashimoto, beefy boy that only kicks. Yep. It's the kind of shit I'm into. <laughs> so the first match that we were able to find is Keiji Muto versus Ricky Choshu in a Block A matchup on day three. Oh, this is day three? Yes. I was not particularly aware of that. So this match, there's actually both Japanese commentary and English commentary provided by Kevin Kelly. Big ups to Kevin Kelly. The world. Going back and... Finding matches and giving giving some insight for English fans. Yeah. And see, I knew the voice sounded familiar. I just didn't realize that's who it was. Oh, Kevin Kelly, the voice of New Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite people in all of wrestling. In or outside of the ring, I have nothing but positive things to say about Kevin Kelly. Absolutely. So, as with most times when Kevin Kelly does these older matches, it's part play-by-play, part... Kind of him giving history lesson, history lesson context. context, yeah, about the match and everything. So he tells us that KG had actually lost his first couple matches in this climax. Yeah, in this G1, you got nothing but heavy hitters. We all know KG Muto. In the U.S., most people know KG Muto before some of these other names. Yeah, he's because he's the great he's, Muda. He's the great Muda. So, like, you know, he's very, very memorable and already been on television. Possibly over the here. most over Japanese wrestler of all time in America. In America? Yeah, yeah. Possibly. I'd say so. Yeah. I could be wrong, but. I'd say with your casual fan, <laughs> I would definitely say, definitely say so, yeah. Yeah. He is kind of a uh, gateway drug for most, for most people in the early 90s uh, to get into Japanese wrestling. I mean, maybe Liger. Liger for sure as well. Liger, yeah. Liger might be a little bit more well-known because he does stay in WCW for a little bit longer. Yeah, and wrestling, uh, being on like Nitro cable and, and stuff, yeah. So it but might be Liger. Yeah, but they're, pretty close. they're both equally responsible for uh, turning people onto Japanese wrestling, probably. Let's have them battle it out, <laughs> and we'll let them decide uh, the winner. One of them, somehow, has yet to retire. Mm-hmm. One of them... Could still go if he came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of them could still go if he came back. The other one is a champion. No, he actually lost. Oh, match. okay, okay. Last I heard, Kijimuto was a champion in in Noah. No, yeah. But if I guess I don't follow Noah that closely. Dang. Kevin Kelly also tells us that Choshu had won his first couple of matches, while over in the B block, it's been all Tatsumi Fujinami, as he was three and zero at the time. 
We see the match get going with Muta immediately going to the floor. But once back in, the two lock up with no one gaining an advantage. Until Riki hits a head scissors takedown. Clamping it on tight until they roll into the ropes. And uh, Ricky Joshi was 43 here. Damn. So he is the elder statesman for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, 43. He also doesn't necessarily not look 43. He definitely looks older, but he doesn't look like he's out of place. No, no, he doesn't look out of place, but he's just got kind of like dad bod for yeah. sure. So the two men do some mat work with KG working the arm and neck until Choshu hits a knee to the gut and a vertical suplex for a two count. Ricky's back to a head scissors to work the neck of Muta, only for KG to counter it into an Indian deathlock when they roll into the ropes again. KG gets aggressive with kicks, but Ricky just starts firing back as well, only for Muta to stay in control with some headbutts. Choshu with multiple back suplexes. But on the third try, KG counters and lands on top, followed by a springboard back elbow and several flash elbow drops. Does the flash elbow the three times in a row? Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, buddy, cool. <laughs> right. And also, of like the handspring back elbow is an immediate pop. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like the signature move mm-hmm. yeah. that's not a finisher. Like, that's the one outside of the flash elbow, of course. Muda hits a backbreaker and goes up top for the moonsault. Only for Ricky to move out of the way, but KG is right back on the attack with forearms. He lands on his feet. That oh. sends Choshu out to the floor. Muda falls out to run Ricky into a guardrail before hitting another springboard back elbow. They head out into the crowd, where KG hits a bulldog on the concrete floor, before heading into the tunnel and running the long distance back. But Choshu's up. And hits a clothesline. It's so good. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna make some space. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, pop the crowd, do the big running clothesline. We've seen it. We've seen it before. Yep. At uh, the Tokyo Dome with yeah. the long. Absolutely. Long so like, people know what's going on, but length. but Choshu yeah. pops up like right at the right time and really fucking lays it in. It's nice. Muda makes it back to the apron, only for Riki to clotheslining back to the floor, before then going for a vertical suplex. But KG floats over and starts to run the ropes when Choshu hits another clothesline. He's got to eat the lariat. Ricky applies the scorpion deathlock. And Muda is struggling, but he does make the ropes to break the hold. Choshu goes to lock it in once more, but KG cradles him up for the near fall. And then Ricky says, I don't think so. And it's a running lariat. And he goes to the deathlock again. But this time Muda counters into a figure four. Does he ever? Just wrenching on that ankle. You gotta crank it. The crowd is hot. Choshu's writhing in pain, but he won't submit. But the ref calls for the stoppage <sighs> right as Ricky turns the hold over to make the ropes. Oh my gosh. Hatori! Hatori! Give it some time! Keiji Muda wins the matchup. You know what would have happened if Red Shoes was in here instead of Hattori? He would have gotten ref bumped. And... <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe before that, but I was going to say it would have gone for 30 minutes and maybe a ref bump, maybe. But this isn't ref bump, prime ref bump time. No, it's not. No, that's... that's uh... <laughs> it is a really hot finish yeah. that is hard to... That counter into the figure four was... Yeah, this match is precise. Like I was writing it down, like 
I don't know how to properly explain what exactly is ha- like to give it the levity that it needs mm-hmm. of that counter and then just the timing on the ref stoppage to the grabbing of the ropes. Yeah. It was like, it's, I, I'm just going to say the two words. Selling. I'm going to say the two words, guys. Uh-huh. Short dry list. <laughs> Short list, dry beer. The, um, but yeah, it's hard hard to explain. It's like, oh, he rolled to the ropes after the ref called. Something. It's like, yeah, that doesn't sound very exciting to say out loud. But crowd is hot. These guys are super hot. It's an, It's kind of a like torch pass that also saves the older guy. Because like, he didn't give up. They, the ref called it. He did get to the ropes if it could have continued. But like... Ricky Choshu's 43, it's 1994, Keiji Muto. After losing a couple of matches, like they built it up to where he needs this win, and this is a big win for any wrestler. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like an intelligent booking decision whenever you step back and look at it from like the tournament perspective. And granted, we don't have video of what happened before uh, and all of what happens afterwards, but just the insight of Muto lost two matches already. Yep. He needs this one to to stay to, in the yeah, fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's only six uh, six men blocks. This is small. Yeah, so you only got five matches. So you, you got to win as many of them as you can. So we're headed to our second match: Power Warrior versus Masahiro Chono in the G1 Climax Finals. Does it feel weird for Power Warrior to be in a singles match? Yes. Yeah. That might just be a, a us thing, considering what we've covered. But I'm I like, mean, I just figured he was only Power Warrior because they had another warrior. Yeah. I mean, it was already over. Doesn't he need Hawk been, Warrior there to be the Power Warrior? I'm not sure. It was just like I was just like, oh, okay. Well, was Power? How over was Power Warrior? I mean, pretty over. I mean, I mean, he's in the. He does go. Want? He does go back to Kanzuki Sasaki at some point. Yeah. In the next couple years but he does keep up this power warrior gimmick for a little bit yeah i mean it's fun part of me really wishes that ultimate warrior would make a little dip down to japan so we could have this little feud with power, power and ultimate versus ultimate versus hawk <laughs> yeah warrior that's Where what the, it was called back then in yeah. Japan. Where the, yeah and power warrior and has to warrior. shoot has to shoot on uh, on warrior for being a fucking <laughs> idiot and an asshole like Warrior and Hawk would shoot on each other. So to make it to the finals, Chono had gone four and one in his block, while Power Warrior had gone three one and one Ooh, to advance. It's nice to know he had a, a draw, 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 or it was a draw, double countout. I guess would still be a draw. So the match gets started with Masahiro firing out with a Yakuza kick to start. I mean, as start far with as the big stuff, right? Yeah, it's like. My favorite wrestling kicks are probably like shotgun drop kicks. Yeah. And y- and the Yakuza kick. I love a good stalling missile drop kick. Yeah, also you, nice. What are your thoughts on yes kicks? Like a yes kick. Okay. I do like a yes kick, but there's something about the Yakuza kick where it's just like just the push off is so nice. It's it just feels more, of it all. Yeah, it feels like an actual like street fight <laughs> whenever he does it. Warrior comes right back with a clothesline, body slam, more clotheslines. You mean a lariat? We're in Japan. My apologies. <laughs> Before going to a front face lock, but Chono escapes by running Warrior into a turnbuckle. Power Warrior starts yelling about some tape that's on Masahiro's shoulder. 
So Chono's like, fine, and just starts ripping it off. Yeah, I imagine he just called him, like, a pussy, but in Japanese. And he was like, all right, I'm fucking, I'm Masahiro Chono. I do the Yakuza kick. My gimmick is that I'm a Yakuza member. I'm going to, you know, I'll meet you, I'll meet you there, buddy. Look at Chono ahead of his time, coming down to the ring. Wrestling with the tape all up on his shoulder, oh, like yeah. the, whatever the hell that stuff is called now. Pre, uh, pre-cupping. I don't know, whatever that little... <laughs> Cesaro tape stuff was oh, that yeah, wore. Yeah. I know there's a special it's, name to it, it's but yeah. tape. I mean, you still yeah. see the tape today in Japan whenever it helps when they're putting over uh, a Injuries. injury. Yeah. Yeah. Warrior with a side headlock, which Masahiro escapes with a back suplex, followed by Chono with a headlock, only to be back suplexed in return. Test of strength time. Woo! My favorite. I mean, a, a test of strength in Japan is a little better than a I test know. of strength in the U.S. They actually get into it. They test their strength. Yeah, yeah. It's a little nerd. It's a little. It, they also have that like, the like fighting spirit part of it all, where it's like, I will, I will, look you in the eye, and we will both do our best. It's like the trading chops thing, which is overdone now, but it is part of the like connective tissue of Japanese wrestling. And a test of strength seems like a bad idea with a guy that has power in his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, as Warrior takes control, transitioning into a DDT. Lariat from Power Warrior for a two count. Snapmare and back to a headlock to wear down Masahiro, who fires up again only for Warrior to shut it down and go back to that headlock before a kick to the head gets Chono free. A chop- the kick to the head is like over his head. He like kicks back. Yeah. It's really good. A chop fest breaks out with them both standing tall, and Power Warrior goes for a kick to the gut. But Masahiro catches it, taking Warrior down and applying a sleeper. After the hold is broken, Chono starts laying it in with right hands, but Power Warrior with a takedown to regain control, hitting a back suplex to force Masahiro outside to regroup. Warrior follows out to deliver a clothesline, a face plant, and a DDT, but Chono gets up and rams Power Warrior head first. Into the ring post. Posted. But I mean, you know, they went head for head. Power Warrior's head into the post. But he did just DDT Chono's head on the floor. So, you know. Back into the ring, the two get into each other's face, slapping each other. When Masahiro takes Warrior down to start working the leg. But Power Warrior counters into arm work. Only for Chono to transition back to leg work when they make the ropes. Masahiro heads up top, only for Power Warrior to meet him there, bringing him down with a superplex. He follows it up with multiple lariats and a powerbomb for the pin, and no, Chono kicks out. I mean, they kind of had me. Warrior tosses Masahiro to the ropes, but Chono comes back with a Yakuza kick before applying the STF. Made famous by Eric Watts. Get out of my U-S-S-A. brain. You just stole my line. Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to bring up that they said that. That was ECW that was said. ECW. <sighs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's so funny. Power Warrior slowly crawls his way to the ropes to break the hole. Warrior then hits a running bulldog after a reversed Irish whip. Locks on the power special, which is a step over head hold arm bar. It was a weird looking move. It's weird. He cranks it in though. But Masahiro is able to make it to the ropes. It's on on his shoulder too, that they set up. 
them. So, you know, the crowd's hot. The hurt shoulder that he took the take off. Yeah, yeah. The crowd is, of course the crowd's hot. This is the G1, baby. There's 11,000 people here on Tuesday or some shit. Power Warrior lets his guard down momentarily, allowing Chono to take him down and go straight back to the STF. But Warrior finally makes it to the ropes. Power Warrior with a snapmare. He goes back to the power special, and the crowd starts to fire up Chono as he breaks the hold and back to the STF. Uh, Hattori checks on him. Only for them to again make the ropes. Multiple Yakuza kicks. There's a the camera shows Hase in the corner, like around the ring, and it's just it was nice to see him. And I'm not super familiar, but I assume that he is like one of buddy of Chono's at this yeah. point in time. Like they probably do like multi tags and whatnot. Because I mean, he didn't have paint on his face. Yeah. Also, the way they the way he wrestles makes a lot of sense for him and. Chono to be bros. Multiple Yakuza kicks before Masahiro tells Warrior to just bring it. Power Warrior won't go down from the Yakuza kick. So Power Warrior delivers multiple running lariats for the pin. And no! Chono kicks out again! The two trade more clotheslines and Yakuza kicks until Masahiro hits a second rope DDT before locking on the STF in the middle of the ring. (sighs) For the submission and the win. Ah, Hattori calls for the bell that's, like, I mean, the crowd is hot for this because, of course, they're hot for this. Yes. This would be Masahiro Chono's third G1 victory. See, that's why I I wasn't for sure if he was going to win this one or not. Yeah, because I was curious. I'm sure they won't give him to him again already, but... Then again, it's Masahiro Chono. So going into this, um, knowing that we only had uh, two matches available and not knowing what the two matches were, my assumption was that it's gonna, we'll have a Chono and a Hase of the four guys. Chono, Hase, and like Shinya and Mudo were like the names floating around in my head. Yeah. I also didn't know that one of them was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be like the last two matches, but one of them's. Day three or something yeah. like that. It's a block matchup. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't expect Power Warrior to be in the final. No. no and I think not. that, and I think that uh, he totally delivered. Absolutely, like he deli- he delivered. It would have been weird if he won, but I think that the match was was good and the like Kenzuki Sasaki. I can totally see being in the final at some point. But yeah, not yeah. Power Warrior. Yeah, the Power Warrior gimmick. I'm as... like, oh, well, they're gonna have. Um, yeah, it was, was kind of weird for him to be as Power Warrior in the final, mm-hmm. but uh, by no means was I disappointed by it. No. no. I was just kind of surprised. So, gentlemen, I ask you, what are your overall thoughts of the G1 Climax 1994? The, the Japanese just really know how to wrestle. Yes, they know how to make me interested in how they wrestle. The telling just, of a story. I just wish there was more because... We always you know, do. Stupid, yeah. stupid TV station or whatever. I mean, the great, awesome TV station that needs to free up those videos so the world can see what everything else that happened in 1994. And throughout history. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of those things where we talk about it's like, oh, yeah, there's plenty of important wrestling in America pre-cable and TV, like, names you know, your fr- Frank Gotches and stuff like that. It's like, oh, those matches... Uh, just kind of don't Lost exist. The... Yeah. 
history books. Yeah, just because of the, the technology issues and whatnot. But here, there's less of a technology issue, and they just don't have Vince McMahon money to be like, oh, well, we're just going to buy it. And even if we buy it, we might not even give it to you. <laughs> I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the first match is a shortlist match for me. Yeah. Like, I was just over the moon with that match. <laughs> the second match, it's good. It's very good. But I think it takes a little bit too long to kick into that second gear. Yeah. Yeah, considering that, like, nowadays it would probably have been whatever the finish of this match was would have been the end of, like, the second act of a G1 match in the last handful of years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, well, like, we got really close, uh, but now they're really about to be Cell being exhausted and really start pulling, like, spamming heavier moves slowly as, mm. you know, who's, like, the better man or whatever. And this one kind of curbs that with... I mean, I think a lot of the reason why it doesn't kick into that thing is Probably because of Power Warrior, he's not as advanced yeah. in in his move set. So there's not a there's I mean, not he's, much. He's a tag team wrestler, and it's also not a. Um... I mean, he's starting to establish himself as this. I believe because yeah. Hawk is God. knowing doing <laughs> Hawk is whatever the coop again, whatever Hawk's doing. So he has to become a singles wrestler at this point, to, and so he needs to improve. And I think we we will see it because yeah. I'm gonna let you guys know this. New Japan puts a lot of their eggs in Kanzuki Sasaki's basket yeah. over the next ten years. A basket, so. a basket worth worth the eggs for sure. But yeah, they do. They like they kind of do trade their uh, mat holds. Yeah, that segment. That segment longer, of the yeah. match was that's what kind of dragged the match down just a little bit because it was yeah. like. We're gonna go headlock into. I'm gonna escape. Oh, yeah. Well, we're gonna go the headlock. They oh, do. It does right set here. up the fact where they like was like okay, well we keep getting out of each other's uh, like mat moves, so we're gonna go head to head and start trading shit and like man up. So it does set that up well, but it is it's still wildly intelligently done considering that that is the part that kind of drags. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think we're going to smark it up. I mean, I know we only have two matches. But was there anything that really stood out and really disappointed? The thing that stood out to me the most was, I said it already, the counter into the figure, floor, figure four that uh, oh, Odo did. That yeah. one, it was just... It was so fast and quick and, and perfectly applied yeah. and tight and yeah, it was. You would think that that would be like harder to pull off, mm-hmm. but like as soon as he had it on, you were like, "He's got him in the figure four. And then like they're saying it as soon as you realize it, and you're like, "Oh," because it's just like it's clean. Yeah, just like that moment whenever, like you see the ref checking on Choshu. And then he walks out of screen, and all of a sudden you hear the bell ring, and right as the bell rings, Ricky grabs the ropes. I was just like, that is such a perfect ending. It's, yep. it's so good. 
my the thing that like because they didn't want to pay for the licensed music or whatever i hate that it cuts out the sound like right before like right as the bell yeah. rings or whatever they like cut the sound so you don't hear like the crowd react to him grabbing the rope which i totally get but it does kind of like like that moment that was yeah. awesome it kind of undercuts it slightly because of because I'm like, I want to hear these people yeah, scream. That reaction I know. would add that much more to the oh, match yeah, itself. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. Because yeah. as we've learned in the last year and a half, crowd reactions in professional wrestling are wildly important. Yeah. Anything that was extremely disappointing on the other end of the... For the two matches, nothing wildly disappointing. The biggest disappointment being that we didn't have... You know, we did um, the J-Cup 94... And we got to watch a lot of matches. And we crapped our pants over most of them. Yeah. And here, we didn't really get to see as much, even, like, so it's like, oh, the two matches, not disappointed, disappointed that there's only two matches here. Yeah. yeah. Because we so named we, off... It always seems to be our disappointment when we watch these Japanese shows. There's not yeah. enough matches. Just, yeah. We, we just want more. <laughs> it's like we only get the full show whenever it's a, like, super show. And then we get the we get the full show with the super show, and there's always the Wrestle Kingdoms. Basically. Yeah, yeah, our big standout, our, the big Tokyo Dome show. Yeah, we get the full Tokyo Dome shows, and they're great, and we love them. And but it's like, oh, these like tournaments, it's you, no one's asking for less G one. No. It's just not a it's just not a thing anybody uh, wants to hear that they can't have. I know one of these days we're gonna be like, there's thirty plus <laughs> uh, matches on this G one. Yeah. Now we just have to pick the best ones. <laughs> yeah. Because for sure. We're not because we're gonna have ability to watch them all, and we're just gonna be like, no, we're not watching. Them yeah, all. and here it's like a lot less, but it would have been nice to have at least like six matches, at least like half. Luckily for me and Michael, we don't have to make that decision. We'll just wait. Matt, tell us <laughs> what to watch. We trust him. We, we definitely <laughs> trust him. I trust our fans. Yeah. True. Very true. So there's yeah. definitely something out there that we should watch. Let us know. Say For sure. It. Oh. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. What do we got this week? This week, the category is What's in a Name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name. What's in a name? I will give you the real name of a wrestler. You give me that wrestler. Uh, Ricky Steamboat. Incorrect. <laughs> still, so at least you wild. got one. You got still. one answer that you don't have to think about. Yeah, still wild and disappointed in basically both of us in that in that one. Yeah. So five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. The name this week is Roy Wayne Ferris. Roy Wayne Ferris. I want to fuck. I want to guess, but it, it's probably not in my best interest. And there's two in my mind that I've made jokes about before. <laughs> what? You want Bad News Brown? No, it's not Bad News Brown. <laughs> bad News Brown is not the guess, but it'd be funny if that ended up being the answer. I'm going to gamble. Michael's taking a gamble. And I'm going to say the Honky Tonk Man. That is correct. Yes! Yes! Because my other guess was Beefcake. I was like, yeah, no, no, it's not Beefcake. Ed Leslie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I did, now I know his name's Ed Leslie. Ah, <laughs> uh, Beefcake! 
Ah, see, they're not the same person. <laughs> sure aren't. They have, they have different names. Totally different names. In the ring and outside of the ring. Ed Leslie, uh, Matt's Roy look Ferris. on his face where it was like he he's really yeah, good. Once you said it, it was like, yep, that's it. Because I, I remember <laughs> I hearing like, it before. He's gonna totally. I was like, you have to get this. You have to get this. <laughs> oh man. I wasn't gonna say anything because you got forty points you needed to make, man. So <laughs> <laughs> Shane, if you knew the answer Shane's and held like back for me to for me to get some points. <laughs> I would be kind of disappointed in myself. Did you know the answer? It's kayfabe. No, I, I, oh, once okay. you said it, then you know, yeah. I remembered that, so. yep, I've heard his name before. It's kayfabe. He's writing storylines right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting, big, you... getting the big lead and then he's going to let you. <laughs> I'd trust you more with a pen or iPad in your hand working for WWE than whoever the hell is back there. So This is my uh, endorsement for Shane to uh, be a, what do, you, what do they call him, agent. Never, never been in the ring, but I trust your psychology more than... Well, it's uh, been a while since I've given a shout-out to my friend Paul up in uh, Connecticut, but, you know, make it happen. Which one? What, there's more than one? Paulie? There's Paulie either. Oh, that's true. I was I was talking Paul about... Paul Vasquez, or whatever his last name is. It my, my friend H H H. I think Trips flows in Orlando. I don't think he flies back and forth. Well, he's a he, uh, he can Skype in. He's too busy getting the he company. Didn't have, he didn't have anything to do with the main roster, so he probably yeah, yeah, just yeah. lives in Orlando. Yeah, he's just. We're not uh, close yeah. enough yet for me to call him Daddy Hunter. So yeah, he's keeping his his guys happy. Well, most uh, people call him Hunter in the back, not Paul. <laughs> before the sale. Well, I'm not most people. I'm a a podcaster doing a professional shout out to. Oh, okay. Paul Vasquez. From from one Daddy you, Hunter to say, another. Can you say his last name? <laughs> <laughs> Huh? Can you say his last name? Levick? I don't know. I've never... I, 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 I mean, I don't know if the pronunciation is right. I assume it is, but... So I've heard Dusty reason, Rhodes say it at one point. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it Dusty was... Dusty Rhodes is the best person to ask for pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Babe? The, uh, I was... Uh, for some reason, I said Vasquez. I don't know what, why I got that. But Kane? It, yeah, this is the... I guess the... Kane Vasquez? Or whatever his name was? Velasquez. Velasquez, uh, that's okay, what it was. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it is Levick. There's, I think they both have some weird cues in them. Yeah. Next week, Hardcore Heaven 1994. Motown Philly back again. <laughs> That's our, our new home base. Is Pretty much. Phil- Philadelphia, the ECW arena, the... Uh, I, I just like torturing shit. The East Coast family. <laughs> yeah, the concrete soaked in, soaked in Budweiser and blood. Oh, Eastern Championship Wrestling. Come on already. <sighs> It's only going to be Eastern for a little bit longer. We've been saying it Just for a little, bit longer. a little while. Music from this week's show is The Score by Emerson, Lake, and Powell. Score. And Masahiro Chono won the main event, so we play his music Black Rain Ooh. by Kenya Hiramoto. I haven't seen one of his matches in a long time. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, recipes, yeah, uh, yeah a Vimeo uh, link to something, all of the G1, or at least at least half of the G1. Yeah, if you have uh, <laughs> if some secrets, you have, you have uh, suggestions for for matches or shows that we should watch. If you have uh, ability to get more of the G1 or any Japanese wrestling. That's that not I, on world. That I don't know how to get. Email us yeah. at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. We will gladly. If you've got a favorite restaurant in Philly that's not 
one of the main Philly places as far as cheesesteaks go, let us know because I'd like to try something from Philly that's not a cheesesteak. More steak. than a cheesesteak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Wrestling Histo X. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. Slide into those DMs, guys. Do it. We'll talk to you next week. Later.